Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Full of Energy, an AE podcast where we talk about workforce development, energy hot topics, and energy policy. The Association of Energy Engineers, otherwise known as AEE, is a professional organization of over 17,000 members and 32,000 actively certified individuals in over 105 countries. AEE serves your needs for career development, networking, and recognition. Today, we're going to dive deep into the world of hydrogen and explore its potential as a key player in the clean and sustainable energy landscape. Focusing on Canada and Chile, we'll explore how these nations are currently utilizing hydrogen for clean energy purposes. Joining me today are two hydrogen experts, Dr. Erwin Plett from Chile and Javier Ojeda from Canada. Dr. Erwin, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and what the work that you've been doing in Chile? Hi, Laurie. Thank you for your introduction. Uh, just around because we uh, met with you and with Javier in Orlando, just in the world. It was very nice in Orlando just to meet everybody. I have to admit that was my second time in Orlando because the first world meeting was for me also in Orlando, but that was back in 2015. So quite a while has come by and there we met uh, because we are working on this special issue of hydrogen, which is a very, very old story. But now we reinvented that. Uh, it's something that we have used all over. So uh, my uh, personally, I'm involved in project making. I'm part of uh, H2 Chile, which is the Chilean Association of uh, Hydrogen. Uh, we are about 150 members in that, uh, professional members and also companies. Everybody's trying to do something about this tremendous opportunity we have to, to transport the, um, green energy. And that is the issue, and that is what we will talk about in this podcast. Thank you for that introduction, Dr. Irwin. Javier, why don't you tell us a little bit about your work and who you are? Yeah, well, uh, thank you, Laurel. Thank you for the invitation. Really appreciate it, and 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 I feel humble uh, to to be on, on on this podcast, especially with Dr. Erwin, which is an authority and the real expert here. So <laughs> in hydrogen, I'm uh, uh, my career. I mean, I'm, I'm is uh, on the side of the renewable energy that is used to produce hydrogen. So um, I am a mechanical engineer by trade and have 19 years of experience, especially in hydropower, right? Which is a source of green, green energy to produce hydrogen, by the way, when, when it's used to, for, for that, and uh, as, as well energy efficiency. I have been uh, with the Association of Energy Engineers since 2011. So, and, um, and but yeah, uh, basically my, my area of expertise is in fact, uh, how, not just hydropower, but how the grid, uh, a green grid, uh, a grid with uh, with a high percentage of renewable energy can uh, be benefited uh, from hydrogen uh, production and how we will support green hydrogen production or what are the challenges, what are the opportunities. Great introduction from both of you. Um, I'm thrilled to be talking about the potential of hydrogen to transform the energy future. So let's start with a brief overview of hydrogen as an energy carrier and its potential role in a clean and sustainable future. Dr. Irwin, would you like to start? Sure. I just want to remember what we do in AEE is mostly um, is energy efficiency. And I know myself, I have working on energy efficiency whatsoever. 
But I have to tell you that has a problem. It's not as sexy as renewables. It's, it's really so. It's really tough uh, uh, work to convince somebody to turn off the lights. It's a lot nicer to have, I don't know, a, a photovoltaic panel on the roof and think I'm, I'm green now. And we waste a lot of uh, green energy. And that's a problem. Because what, it, what is the central problem is that our renewables have two major problems. They are far away. <laughs> They're in the wrong place and on the wrong time. You see, that is our major problem. We have a lot of photovoltaic also in Chile. It's tremendous. We have 8,000 megawatts of photovoltaic alone. And we're not able to, uh, to, um, to use a single bulb at night. So not even 50 watts. <laughs> we are able to harvest from the 8,000. So that's, that's a major problem because you have uh, photovoltaic only on, on midday. And the wind is only if you have wind. If you don't have wind, you are toasted. Uh, the same happened to us also with hydro, which is fantastic. But we had 15 years of drought. 15 years. Never happened with, with the climate change. In Chile, we had the last 15 years. We had no water. So that, that is a problem. So now it comes to this, this uh, how we use renewables. And then, and then we revert to hydrogen. And why that, as you asked, Laurie, is because of the most natural way to store the energy. But for now, for us, it's very important. What is the price of this green hydrogen? And that is what we'll discuss right now. How we do we do it? Where and when? Javier, anything to add to that? No, I mean, uh, uh, that uh, not only that, uh, we need to remember as well that hydrogen is used. It has several uses. A part of being an energy storage. I mean, you use that. You use hydrogen for to make steel. Humans would really use steel for a lot of things, right? So it's used for concrete production as well. It's using a myriad of of uh, uh, chemical pro, uh, ma manufacturing and the, the sorry the manufacturing of different chemicals. Uh, it, I mean, you cannot imagine. Uh, uh, where you will find hydrogen at the end is one of the most common atoms around. And um, the most important, uh, or one of the most important things I will say is fertilizers, right? Without fertilizers, there is no food. If there is no food, what happens? No. So, I mean, uh, some, the, the other day that there was a discussion with a, with a person and and, uh, and I told him, I mean, what's, what's more important, the grid of or the food <laughs> well that's an interesting question so yes it is so so well i will say the food so imagine imagine that, 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 that there is a myriad of applications and currently a majority of the hydrogen comes from a, a petrochemical petrochemical uh, processes right so we get we get the hydrogen from hydrocarbons so with um well, I would not say now, we have been having the option for, for quite a while uh, through electrolyzers and through other through other devices to get a, to, to to get the hydrogen directly from water. Uh, and uh, that's the goal. That's the goal at the end, or one of the goals. I mean, try to to not use an emissions intensive industry uh, or emissions intensive processes like petrochemical processes to produce the hydrogen, but instead having a, a having a, a process that can produce uh, or generate 
bare minimum emissions or no emissions at all, and still be able to produce hydrogen and use it for what it has been intended, not only for energy energy storage, which is which is one use, but for the rest of the of the uses in in several different industries. That is interesting to see what Javier was saying because historically, if you took that hydrogen was just the first use of hydrogen was for making ammonia and the mm -hmm. fertilizers. So today, half of the population in the world relies on uh, on on chemical fertilizers, so artificial fertilizers. You know, in Chile, we used to have a monopoly of fertilizer that was fifty years. It's nothing nicer than to have a monopoly. You know, but okay, that was up to 1910, 1920. And then uh, Haber and Bosch uh, made hydrogen and from that they made an ammonia and so on. So this is a, a very old story. And by the way, as Javier said, today our only uh, uh, hydrogen is only used as a chemical, nothing yeah. else, not for store energy. It's for, for petrochemical uses, for refineries to get sulfur out of the crude oil, and the other is for these chemical uses, as uh, Javier said, ammonia or methanol. That's it, nothing else. Today, it is just a simple chemical, okay? And now we got to this brilliant idea to use it as an energy vector to store a renewable energies. And why we do that today? Because the electricity is a lot cheaper. It's one mm. way of uh, hydrogen is nothing else but a storage technology, as you can store it as ions and batteries, you can store uh, energy in, uh, um, gravitationally when, when you have a, a, a sea, up, a, a lake up and, and whatever. That, that's one way. And this is just a chemical way of store energy. Today, we import and transport all our energy as molecules, like uh, gas, like petroleum, like copper. So now we go back to use now this electricity, which is very, very difficult to store, we store it in ways of uh, molecules. And that is what Javier said. So we will change completely. And if you say the pronostic up to 2050, transportation will be the most used for hydrogen, okay. then the yes. industry and then power. And, and I hope very, very little for refineries. They are going out. So it will change from a, a pure chemical stuff to a carrier of, um, of energy. That's such a great overview of how hydrogen has kind of evolved over the years and, um, you know, from chemicals to now being a way that we can store. So, Javier, in Canada, how is hydrogen currently being utilized for clean energy purposes? And for clean energy purposes, currently there are several projects uh, on the go uh, to, to be able to precisely like, uh, like um, Dr. Erwin mentioned, uh, <laughs> In fact, to store energy for for use for use it on transportation, the creation of fuel cells, uh, fuel fuel cell equipment for uh, to to supply energy to the to the grid. Well, not necessarily to the grid. I would say to a site specifically, and um, but the majority the majority of the use or 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 the plans are in fact to export. Uh, the hydrogen uh, to 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 ammonia. One of the projects, or that th there are several projects now on the go uh, here in Atlantic Canada, by the way, 
uh, where uh, with between understand uh, memorandum of understandings between the Canadian government and the German government, uh, they they want to to export uh, hydrogen produced here in or well ammonia produced here uh, through uh, renewable energy uh, exported to to Germany. Correct. So that way uh, you get the market of of that green ammonia, and 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 be able to export the from from one way the renewable energy that has been produced uh, here in Atlantic Canada through offshore wind, which is coming to more in onshore wind, and our vast hydro hydropower. Um, capabilities, especially in Newfoundland and Laval, right? So um, that's one thing. And the other thing that is a that is a project uh, currently ongoing in in Quebec and uh, being operated by Hydro Quebec or will be operated by Hydro Quebec was supposed to to be online in 2023, but uh, I'm, I'm I'm not sure if if, if it's already if it's already online or or it will be close to be online to to basically produce a 11,000 metric tons of hydrogen and 88,000 metric tons of oxygen using 100% renewable energy from the Hydro-Quebec uh, grid, which is 99% hydropower, right? Where, again, where, where, where I come from, from, from the hydro plants. So uh, this that's one of the biggest, in fact, one of the biggest uh, uh, water ele electrolysis plants a, not in Canada, but over the world. So, and it was located in Barnes, right? In 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 what is called the Recyclage Carbony Barnes plant. So, it's uh, it will use an electrolyzer with a capacity of ninety megawatts. That's in in uh, in this currently in the currently current stage of of the hydrogen uh, revolution and go. That's quite a that's quite a high capacity electrolyzer, and in fact, probably Doctor Doctor Erwin will will agree, will agree with that. Um, other uses that that are being uh, not not studied. No, I'm not talking about studies here. I'm talking about facts about projects already on on the ground. Are to replace um, the blackout capabilities of um, data centers that normally use uh, diesel gensets to use hydrogen fuel cells, correct? Uh, it has uh, quite a few advantages. One, and, and of course, it's advantages as well. The, the, the first advantage, of course, is the emissions, right? The second advantage is the is how, how quick a uh, 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 fuel cell can start. It's almost immediately, right? And that you don't the 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 maintenance of a of a of a fuel cell is is very low, correct? So your main or your OEM costs are lower. The disadvantage so far is in fact the the storage itself of of the hydrogen on on specific locations that will require a little bit of more development or even 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 new regulations, right? And um, uh, the other one is itself uh, the I mean the economics of it is not it's not cheap, right? So, but again, 
as the more projects uh, similar to that one gets uh, gets deployed and gets commissioned, the better the economics will look like, the cheaper it will become, and more the more common they will be, and and of course the more attractive will be to even more, uh, more 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 uh, implementations and, and and to have more more uses like, like that. All right. Uh, and I didn't mention the transportation area, which is, by the way, there are several projects around around the country now where where there are buses that will be powered directly with, with, with hydrogen, with, with with hydrogen fuel cells, uh, and and that, that that are pilot projects that are, that are on the go. So, Doctor Irwin, what about Chile? Is how is that being? How is hydrogen being integrated in the country's energy yeah. landscape? Yeah. I have to um, to tell a little bit of this of this little small country down on the left side of America. <laughs> we, we are, <laughs> we're a string. This country is uh, four thousand kilometers long from north to south, but only an average hundred fifty kilometers wide. So we are always very close to the sea. But on the other hand, we have a tremendous mountain. So uh, we we have renewable. Uh, luckily, because of our geography, in the northern part of Chile, which is the Atacama Desert, that's the driest desert all over the world. It, it, it doesn't rain never, ever. Okay, so we have a lot of sun there, and the major problem, uh, part is the fact, the plant factor. If you put um, a photovoltaic cell and you have a cloud, uh, the the amount of electricity produces one third. Okay. In the northern part of Chile, in Atacama, you have a, a, a power factor of uh, 35 and 37%. That means you have the same investment, but you will produce more energy at the end of the year. Okay? And then we have the southern Patagonia side where you have tremendous winds. You have very constant winds, they're circumpolar winds and very high winds. That means, again, the, the, fact, the plant factor is very high could be even 70% onshore, not offshore, onshore. Okay, so that means if you put a windmill there, it will harvest a lot more energy than you put it somewhere else. That is just nature. Okay, now what is our drive? Our drive is that all our fuels are imported. We waste and we burn $22 billion a year. For a small country with 18 million inhabitants, it's ridiculous because we do have renewables. We have two terawatt renewables, but anyhow, we import our fuels and we burn them. So just to have an, an idea, we burn four times the um, uh, the money we spend in public work. So we make streets and we make, uh, uh, um, uh, I don't know, um, a lot of infrastructure, but the amount of money we burn in fossil fuels is four times that in the year. So it's ridiculous and we have now. So now our we have in 2020, we published a high hydrogen strategy and it's, it's a plan going from here to 2050. And now we just finished working on an action plan, 2023, 2030. So from a strategy that tells us that by 2050, we can have a business as big as mining, mining is the biggest sector in, in, in Chile. We are a mining country and we have, we can have a, a, a volume with hydrogen and it's about 33 billion. So 
in the year we can make more money than we spend today in, in fossil fuels. Okay? So it's for us, it is crucial for this little country to have a new way to export uh, energy. Now, the question is, and what we're talking a bit, Lowry, is how do I put the power of the sun in a ship or how do I put the power of the wind inside a ship? And that right. is the only way it's doing with molecules. And that's why we have this plan. So you have to produce your electricity perfectly well. It's known all over. Then you have to convert it to molecules. And hydrogen is, I say again, it's very difficult to transport. You can put hydrogen, you can make liquid hydrogen as NASA did. Minus 252 degrees Celsius. That's only 20 Kelvin from absolute zero. From absolute zero, yes. It's, it's absolute crazy because you, you will burn about one third of the energy just by cooling it down. So the refrigerator costs you a third of the energy. And then to transport, you have boiler whatsoever. So it's very difficult to transport hydrogen. You could have a pipeline. For us, down here in the South, it's difficult to put a pipeline to Europe or a pipeline to Japan. It's no way. So we have to pack it into a, uh, into a ship. And then you use instead, for instance, instead of using hydrogen, minus 252, I could make methane. So that is natural gas. That is minus 162. And all over the world, we transport uh, uh, liquefied natural, uh, uh, natural gas, minus 62. So there's technology minus 162. Then we could have, uh, we could make uh, ammonia, NH3. And that is liquid as minus 33. Today, we transport all over the world uh, ammonia, and also we transport GLP, so this is a liquefied gas, propane, it's minus 40. So we have all the technology to handle liquid as minus 40 degrees, put it into a bottle uh, and distribute it all over. So what we're doing is trying to, to see how we can, for one side, is uh, not depend on fossil fuels imported, and secondly, be one of the major players in exporting these um, this clean energies, but as I say, in molecules. And for instance, they are now developing not only to use it as hydrogen in fuel cells, but you can burn, you can burn hydrogen. It's in an internal combustion uh, motor. Uh, you can burn um, ammonia whatsoever. It's not that easy, but you can do it. Of course, a fuel cell is bad. The difference will be if we produce, we are producing, I could speak a little bit later about our nice project here, highly innovative fuels, we will make e-fuels. The, the thing, e-fuels are, are, are expensive, you're right, but it's only OPEX, only operating. You have the same car, the same gas station, you don't have to invest anything in infrastructure if you use e-fuels. And that is something that we are doing. So we are pushing that from the government, we're pushing that from agency, uh, we are very thrilled about this changing our energy basket. I don't know, I call it a matrix basket where you have uh, you have 55% uh, oil in this basket. We have 13% biomass uh, and we have, uh, yes, 22% electricity at the end of the day. But everything else is just fossil fuels. And we have a tremendous opportunity in this small country to produce a green energy for the world. That's why we're thrilled about this, this uh, uh, possibility that we have, a completely new possibility. Well, thanks for incorporating some of the um, technological advancements that need to be made for us to really um, take advantage of hydrogen. 
But from an economic perspective, what are some potential benefits and challenges associated with investing in hydrogen infrastructure and technologies? Uh, it's a difficult question, Laurie, because it's cheaper to use oil. It, it, why is it cheaper to use oil? Because the subsidies are brutal all over the world. A subsidy is a difference between the international market price and the inland internal price. And if you add up all over the world, you will find $500 billion in subsidies. So for the last 10 years, uh, uh, petrol and oil has got $5 trillion subsidy. How do we fight that with renewables against that brutally subsidy? And that's a problem. So economically, will not be unless you put the right price to pollution. Otherwise, this is crazy because it's cheaper to use oil and, and, and coal and whatsoever, but that is only the direct costs. The indirect costs are crazy about what will happen in the world. So it will be a lot more expensive for our sons, grandsons, and so ever uh, to fix what we are doing right now. So it's difficult to talk about uh, prices because it's crazy. I know e-fuels is a luxury fuel because today it's too expensive, but it is clean. Now, question is, how do we validate this clean energy compared with the fossil fuels? I think that's great. And it's a good thing that there is a commitment around the world through uh, the conference of parties and how everyone's really focused on making sure that we have clean energy. So, um, Javier, do you have anything to add about some of the benefits and challenges associated with hydrogen infrastructure? I will say um, uh, the one of the uh, biggest uh, benefits uh, is a benefit that is not uh, is 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 not apparent, but is there, and it's diversity, right? So at the the more diverse your grid is, uh, the the more resilient it is, right? Uh, I mean, for example, uh, uh, coming from 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 the hydropower industry, like uh, like uh, Doctor Erwin says. So, aha, uh -huh. what happens if if okay, your your grid is ninety nine percent hydro uh, hydropower or hydro powered, right? So, what happens if there is a drop? It happened to us uh, when I was in Venezuela. It happened to us in two thousand nine. Seventy percent of our energy of the country uh, came from hydropower for three big. Dams, uh, Karwachi, Guri, and Macau. I used to work in Karwachi. And uh, well, uh, we had to shut down machines, units, power units, because there was not enough water. So what happened? You had to you had to uh, do uh, control back blackouts. Uh, you had to to do uh, you had to install a fossil fuel machines right away and that add to emissions and there is a lot of uh, issues with regulations and all the stuff and um, I, don't, I don't like too much to talk about that specific uh, times and uh, for several reasons uh, but uh, but I mean that, that's the kind of problems that that, that, that that kind of events have, have, have so the more diverse your grid is the more resilient it is. If you have a, a, a grid that is extremely dependent on, for example, wind and solar, right? And you don't have proper backups. What happens if the wind doesn't blow? What, 
what happened, for example, what, what is just happening in um, in Alberta um, and in Texas, right now at the moment that we are uh, recording this this uh, uh, this podcast, uh, where they have to ask for people to a you need to to reduce as much as you can your energy consumption because there is extremely cold outside minus 35 degrees Celsius. That's really cold, believe me. Uh, and uh, and our grid is stretch thing so we are using our 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 reserves so uh, and that's a grid that it uh, that not just uh depends of on, on renewables in fact it's not uh but still the problem was that they some of their backup or some of their of the resources that they have in reserve or or that they wanted to use that in fact are wind wind resources the wind is a blow. It's too cold. Right there, you lose hundreds of megawatts of 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 a, of energy production that you just cannot generate. So, if you have the way uh, to store that energy, uh, and when you have this, in fact, is excess of production, and that's the key: excess of production, excess of hydro production, excess of wind production, excess of solar, and store it in a medium like hydrogen or or yeah store it or use it to produce hydrogen to to, to produce hydrogen to produce uh, methane to produce ammonia to use it later you are in fact um, making your own grid stronger right so that's i would say one of the biggest benefits of that now challenges first of all regulatory Right, uh, regulations are basically they, they exist, yes, but they are evolving and they need to evolve a little bit faster uh, as fast as the industry evolves or flows. I would say, um, second, technical standards uh, that needs to be in place uh, for to manage and to handle properly uh, a, a bigger uh, hydrogen production industry. Standards are, are there, yes. But uh, probably need to need, needs to evolve a little bit um, more and 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 get adapted to what what is on the market now. And in fact, in in investment on 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 innovation. So, uh, which is it's, it's a challenge and at the same time an opportunity, I would say. So because get getting money for for and 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 financial commitment uh, for for this kind of project sometimes is difficult. So that's why, in fact, the Canadian government is at the, and and several um, Canadian institutions are encouraging startups entrepreneurs to innovate. And and there are several problems. I invite uh, I, I I invite uh, in fact the uh, the the, the audience <laughs> to take a, pay a visit to the to Natural Resources Canada website, uh, you will find uh, what's the hydrogen strategy for Canada, and and from there you can start to 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 dig a little bit better on on potential and uh, financial incentives and 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 financial uh, financial help for for your idea, right? Uh, and for your for your um, 
you're you're in, in innovativity to to use hydrogen. So, um, in in summary, I would say one of the most be important benefits is resilience to the grid through diversity, right? And challenges, precisely uh, the investments on new technology and uh, and the, the cost that currently is quite high. Uh, and and the need of 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 scale up the the technology uh, uh, currently available to be able to naturally uh, get get those costs down right and avoid to use um, subsidies uh, or reduce as much as we can the use of subsidies that can be used on other things right more important and more and and, and well more important. Yeah, why not? More important or or or, or what those funds are I needed the most, right? So that's 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 my opinion with that, I, I guess. Dr. Irwin, anything to add to that? Uh, yes, just to, to round up what Javier said, uh, uh, hydrogen is not a Swiss army knife. Oh, it's yeah, one uh, of the many uh solutions we do have. And I by the that. way, en energy efficiency is even more important, for instance, in our we have in Chile a decarbonization plan up to 2050, we want to be carbon neutral. And if you look at the figures, um, it's more important energy efficiency than hydrogen. But we have a hype on hydrogen because again, energy efficiency with the core business of AAE is very difficult to sell. I don't know why, but it is so. Okay, so having said that, hydrogen is one of the many technologies to store electricity. And you ask about a technology advancement. I think it's not that bad. Today, with an electrolyzer, you have the conversion from electricity to chemical energy is 70% commercially. So you have 70% in the bottle and 30% it's out of the of your, your, your can. Okay, that is heat. Okay, If you can use it, perfect. But it's not that bad. Of course, there are a lot of development in increasing that um, efficiency and today there are technologies up to 95%, which is crazy. Okay? Most of the electricity will be inside the bottle, which is called hydrogen. So there are potential, but again, at the end of the day, it's a question how much does uh, the kilowatt hour cost, the electricity, the energy. And that is what we have with these natural resources down in Patagonia. These big, large projects are starting not with photovoltaic, but with, um, with wind mills because at the end of the day, uh, they produce more energy per dollar invest. And, and we have very low, um, uh, low electricity prices, but now we need infrastructure. We need the ports to export that. It's not that easy, it's not done. So uh, we are building this very large project. It's not mega projects, giga projects. That means gigawatt and it costs giga dollars. I know Americans like to uh, speak about billions, but giga is for technicians. So it's gigadollars, which is called billions in the US, okay? Uh, that is what we have to invest. That means to invest billions, it will take many years. And today, just you have an order of magnitude, all the bigger uh, elect electrolyzers are in the order of megawatt. And we're talking all over the world of gigawatts, so a thousand times more means that this industry is in the order of magnitude as we were with solar 15 years ago. You know, 15 years ago, there were a few crazy guys putting uh, photovoltaic cells on the roof. Today, we have square miles 
of uh, uh, of uh, photovoltaic that means the prices went a lot a lot down okay so we expect the same thing what happened with hydrogen and uh, now the risk in this market we don't have a market of hydrogen you cannot buy and you cannot sell it nowhere you will go and hear i want to have 200 tons nobody will sell it you see, because we are just starting with a lot of projects, as Javier said, and we have to demonstrate that. We have to socialize this new form of transporting energy. Uh, we have to get in all the projects, only a few percent have final investment decisions. So mm -hmm. we're putting a lot on PowerPoint, but not power plants. <laughs> that is a bigger difference that we have to make sure to get this uncertainty out of the equation. And that's why uh, you have the, um, the good plans in the U.S. and so on. Uh, by the way, Chile, for the first time, has money for this. We got in total $1 billion uh, coming from the World Bank, from the Inter-American Bank, uh, from the EU, uh, and so on. So uh, this industry will be developed because also we got uh, money from all over the world. And that is fair because CO2 doesn't respect any borders. If I emit CO2 here, down in the south, or in, in Tokyo, it's exactly the same for the world. So it doesn't matter where you reduce the CO2, it will help us all. And since this is an international problem, I think it's fair enough for a poor country like we have are that we get international help in, 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 in this form so we can really leverage this industry and we can start. Because up to now, this has been private investment. This uh, a project what they call you uh, um, highly innovative fuels, which is running a $75 million investment and its producer has been exporting for the first time uh, fuel. So it's uh, it's gasoline, 95 octane gasoline coming out of the Patagonia wind. It's very nice this, that this is working, but it's a proof of, of concept that this is working. And now we have to go from this one plant, which has 3.2 megawatt, um, uh, windmill up to gigawatts. And that is a lot of permissions, uh, engineering. We have a lot to do there. And I hope this future is coming sooner than later. And and you're totally right in, in one thing, uh, Dr. Edwin, and uh, a lot that uh, is the hazarding is not a Swiss knife. And, and in a couple, couple conferences uh, that have been uh, uh, present in the, in the last few months, uh, that was something, in fact, that, I mean, that the message is out there. said, hey, you use hydrogen when and where you can, right? And for specific applications, but it's not for everything. So, and it's not suitable for everything. So I'm, I'm, I will say that physics are there and they, and, and, and they don't lie, right? So uh, it's important, it's very, very important for, for everybody uh, to understand that, right? So to add, uh, same thing, uh, I mean, uh, and, and the second thing that we need to definitely internalize is that the cleanest source of, the cleanest energy that we can have is the energy that we don't use. So uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's something that in fact I, I, I stole from you, Dr. Irving. So, I mean, if, the more we invest and the more we, we we implement energy efficiency the better for everybody right so that's that that needs to be must be a very 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 first step in any kind of decarbonization strategy 
for any kind of organization, name uh, from private companies, public companies, institutions to countries. Very, 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 very first thing, energy efficiency. Then is when you start to look after your different energy, energy resources, your energy your pool of resources, and then you start to see, okay, where can I decarbonize? How how I will store energy? Well, I will use hydrogen. Just no, maybe it, it makes sense. Just no, maybe. So that that that's the kind that's the kind of things, questions, and challenges that that, that, that we need to that, that we are confronting right now. Well, I'm sure we could talk about hydrogen for hours, dissecting each technical and technologically advancements we're trying to make, and you know, what are some of the solutions, but we do have a short time on this podcast. So let's wrap it up. I know we've been talking a lot about this, but let's wrap it up for our listeners here. What role do you envision hydrogen playing in the energy transition globally? And how might this impact the future of clean, of a clean and sustainable future? Just, just to make a, a small wrap up, we have had already energy transitions. Don't worry that. We, we went from wood to coal, and that took us about 70 years to have the peak of coal compared with wood, okay? And then we found this, uh, this oil, and we made the transition from coal to oil, and it also took us 50 years. What we're doing now, this energy transition for renewables is crazy because of the velocity in which we will do it. You see, we want to be... We started in 2020 with about the same 12% share of renewables. And we want to be at, uh, I don't know, 50% in no time, 2050. So if you want to go from 12 to 70 in only 30 years, this is absolutely crazy. We have never done an energy transition that fast. And that is, is, uh, is difficult. Is politically difficult, socially difficult, because some, uh, at the very moment you are telling people don't use uh, fossil fuels. And there are developing countries that are not guilty of that. They, they are just starting, just to have an order of magnitude. Um, U.S. has a CO2 per capita of 14.4 tons per capita per year. Canada is even worse with 15. <laughs> And then you're banging on Chinese, which only has seven tons per, per capita. India has 1.7, Africa 0.7. So this guy told me on my face in Angola, I said, why do we have to keep our oil down? Uh, what is, why are we paying that bill? Okay, so it's difficult now. I had to tell them that you will be most punished, uh, punished by um, by by problems of climate, and uh, in America you do have money for that for for whatever, but they don't have. So it's very a sacrifice for this country in Angola to keep their oil down in the earth because we don't like it any longer. So this energy transition is a problem. And I think uh, hydrogen is one of the many things to do, but we have to be conscious uh, of uh, what this energy transition means to the world. And, and we are uh, uh, leading that because we are involved in that. And that keeps us working every day in having a better world for, uh, for my grandchildren. That's what we're working for. Yeah, uh, on, on my on my end again, as I, as I mentioned before, is to add um, 
a little bit of diversity to the grid, right? And and make a little uh, and be and with that make the grid a little bit more resilient. So uh, and and reliable. So again, if uh, it, being able to use uh, the uh, the non-dispatchable loads of uh, renewables like wind and and, and solar. Uh, to when there is a peak and there is no use for it, less, it's important to understand that a grid is is the is the perfect uh, is the perfect economical system. We call it that way because whatever is produced is consumed, right? But there, there is no, I mean, there are ways, of course, through transmission lines and all the stuff. But whatever is produced is consumed, correct? So if there is no load, if there is no con, uh, if there is no use for the energy, well, the energy is not being produced. So in times where there is no load for that for this amount of energy and instead of having a curtail, instead of shutting out the, the windmills or disconnecting the, the, the solar farms or even shut down the hydropower plants, even though that they are they are base load, uh, you can use that um overflow of energy and store it and and, and use electrolyzers and, and, and use other, other other technologies to to produce. To, to store that energy and use it later, right? Locally or on in other in other regions. That's that's the main thing. And of course, to add um, a resilience in terms of uh, black, blackout uh, response, uh, in terms of local local um, uh, usage of or local backups uh, for 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 microgrids or for for a specific sector of, of sensible grids, uh, without re reliance on uh, emissions uh, or or fuel fossils uh, uh, emissions technology like like gensets. Um, the other thing is um, well, how it may impact the future of clean and, and sustainable energy. I will think that is a is a positive impact, right? Again, you are adding diversity. You are adding another source of 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 energy or another way to store energy from that that other ways other ways are not being used or cannot be used so uh, i think that the impact is positive that that you are basically adding another tool to your tool back to to produce energy to 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 deliver deliver energy to 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 the final users right so Again, for me, it's, it's about uh, for me, it's about the grid, right? I see the hydrogen and the impact on the grid, and uh, and I see that it's a it's a it's a very I see it as a very positive impact, right? So to diversify, to even offload the grid when it when it's needed, uh, to 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 add a little bit of more flexibility on specific on very specific grids, and to add uh, yeah, to add another tool to to your bag of of tools. Well, thank you, Dr. Irwin and Javier, for both sharing your insights today. We really appreciate you coming on the podcast to talk about hydrogen. Uh, this has been Full of Energy and AU Podcasts. We'll see you next month.